in a bit, so I need to use both, and then I'll put the mic down. But um, a few weeks ago, I preached. Um, I don't know what day it was, June or January, something or other. And um, I had my mom and dad listen to it, and you, you guys know that I shared a story about my dad. I didn't, I didn't tell my dad and told him to listen to it. And um, my mom got on the phone with me and just said, man, Bo, there's something about that you just, you just share your heart. And that's the way God made me, is to share my heart. Um, and so this morning, I'm just bear my heart and bear what God's been, been sharing with me. And that's who I am. That's who God's created me to be. And I don't apologize for that. Um, because I want God's presence and glory to come through me. And that's been my prayer all morning long. God, I just want to see you move. I told the elders this past week, we had an elders meeting, and I said, you know, on my gravestone, when I die, there's two things I want to do. I didn't tell them this part, but there's two things I want to do. I don't know if it's possible, but I want to be actually sitting up in my, whatever it's called, or sitting in a chair, and I want to be shaking my hand, saying thank you for coming and celebrating with me. Because it's my body, I'm no longer here. That's the first thing. But the second thing is on my tombstone, I want to say a man after God's own heart. That's all I want. Yeah, maybe he was a great hunter. Maybe he was a great father. Maybe he was a great whatever. But I want to say a man after God's own heart. Because when I see David worshiping God recklessly abandoned before him, I said, oh, that's what I want to be. David was a messed up guy he did a lot of dumb things but he was a man after God's own heart and then so in that I told him that's all I want so if the elders can remember that and make sure my wife does that if you guys are still around during that time that'd be great but anyways the sermon title today is missing the mark and um it came out of just a prayer and fasting time a few weeks ago. Well, we've been in a time of prayer and fasting, but a few weeks ago we had a time here in the evening on Sunday night. We had a time where we um, just asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want to share? And Jonathan was leading it. He said, Lord, what do you want to share? And just, just ask the Lord. And so I did. I said, Lord, what do, you want to, what do you want to share with me right now? And the Lord said this, I want to purify my church. I want to come back for a pure and spotless bride. And I was like, really? All right, I'm going to put that up there. But as I started to process it, I realized that you can look up here and you can see that there's a dart thrown at a dart board. And I would say that it's maybe a, a few centimeters or millimeters above exactly dead center. But it hit the bullseye still, right? But that's like just for me with, with archery. I love, I love hunting, which most of you probably know. If you don't know, I love hunting. Um, and so I brought my, it's not my bow, it's Malachi's bow. Just so you know, it says right here, this product is not a toy. And then you flip it over and it says you can buy this at markysparkytoys.com. Like, really? It's not a toy, but you buy it at a toy store. Anyways... With it, sure. there's a thing where you, and I'm not supposed to turn my back to the audience, so I'm going to have to do it on an angle, but um, the thing is, is, is when we draw back our bow, what do we do? For me, I'm always aiming at, a, at an animal, but then I read this here too, and it says, never shoot your arrows at anyone or any animals. So I got this messed up, but I love to hunt, so I'm going to ignore these like things. So when we shoot, whoops, man, I just, I just missed the mark. And if I had my real bow here, Becky made fun of me this morning because I had my Malachi's bow. And these things don't fly really straight. They're a little, um, little big if you noticed, um, and they don't have the right points on the end, or, you know, my thing, but I can try to hit Cheryl again in, a, in our miss. I'm coming for you, Stephen, too, just so you know. But, but I'll shoot it again. Thanks. But the problem is, is I miss my mark every single time. 
And that's really what sin is, is missing the mark that God's called us to. So after this time of prayer and fasting, the Lord said, Bo, I want want to come back for a pure and spotless bride. And I was sitting back there where Pastor Dan is. It's good to see you, Dan. Um, I was sitting back there in that spot, and the Lord shared with me, and I just laid down. And I said, oh, my goodness. The Lord wants to come back for a pure and spotless bride, but that's me. And I have, I struggle. I miss the mark on a daily basis. I sin. And I'm like, but you want to come back for a pure and spotless bride. And so I was reminded of James 5, 16. This is therefore confess your sins each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I read that and I'm like, okay. So I went and found a brother. I said, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? And I'm going to come back and share more of this story. But we went in the other room and I just said, hey, I'm just, can you just help me? I'm just, just help me pray through this. I'm just confessing my, my sin to you because it says confess my sin one to another and then I will be healed. Do you know that in the Old Testament there's 613 laws, 29 pages, and it's just the laws? There's, it's in the scripture verse that does it, but there's 613 laws here. Let me just read 10 of them. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses against your neighbor. You shall not covet. What's the mark that God's called us to? We could read all of these and say, okay. But I am convinced the mark that God has called us to is loving others. I'm going to read a little, whatever you call it, little thing out of this book. Um, And you know my reading. I've read plenty of times in front of you guys or several of you. I'm just reading it. Forget it. Think about it this way. This is um, a book, Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. I had someone give it to me a few weeks ago, and um, it's challenged me, to say the least. It's challenged the way I'm thinking, the way that that I've processed some things. It's made me just redo it. Now, do I necessarily agree with every single thing in this book? No. But the thing is, is it's caused me to process things. So I'm going to read this. Think about it this way. One of my elders at my church, Rob, spent most of his life in a gang. He encountered Jesus when he was in prison and, and was placed in solitary confinement. Today, he was one of the most loving people I know. In fact, I'm not sure I know any more, anyone more who loves Jesus and people as well as he does. Rob tells me stories of gang life, the fear that he felt when he left the, his gang to join his body of Christ. To do this in prison can be suicidal. He had to make serious break with his gang, and gangs are every, anything, or gangs are anything but casual about breaking those ties. But the Lord inter, intervened to spare his life. It wasn't just the physical torture and death he feared. He dreaded the rejection by those he loved. The gang was his family. They were loyal and dear friends who took out for, or looked out for him 24 hours a day. There was a love and a camaraderie from being in the gang that he had enjoyed since childhood. Now, he would lose those relationships and be hated by all of them. When Rob describes gang life, much of it sounds like what church was meant to be. Obviously, there is major differences, drugs, murders, you know, little things like that. But the idea of being a family, it is centered to both gang life 
in God's design for the church. Yet while we use family terminology in our church, Rob's stories have convinced me that the gangs have much more stronger sense than what it means to be a family than we do in the church. That gripped my heart right there. For what you know about gangs, could you even imagine life being reduced to a weekly one-hour gathering? No group would meet briefly once a week and call them a gang. Imagine one gang member walking up to another one saying, Yo, how was gang? I had to miss it this past week because life has been crazy. We would all know enough that gangs to know that's ridiculous. Yet every week we hear Christians ask each other, Hey, how was church? Something that God, that God has designed to function as a family, but been reduced to optional weekly meetings. And I know this is heavy. And I read that to go on to what I'm going to say next. We're a family here. We're a family. Do you know in the Bible, there's a hundred references, a hundred times, over a hundred times, that says, love one another, admonish one another, take care of one another, etc. Over a hundred times. I think to God, this is really important. Now, I told you that I don't always have to, I don't agree with everything in this. Do I believe you have to be a Christian or be a, go to church to be a Christian? No. But there's something that you come together and we worship each other, our mighty God. There's something that we spur one another on. As Arpen sharpens iron, so shall we sharpen one another. There's something about this, and this is it. Well, before I get to that, it, this is it. There was a scripture or a verse or a prayer that I've been praying, and it happened, I don't know, I was talking to the elders, I don't remember how long ago it was, but when I went with Dan O'Neill and, and Jonathan and Matt to a corn concert. And out of that, my prayer has become, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And after reading this book, I have another prayer that I've been praying. Is God give me supernatural love for one another. Give me supernatural love for one another. Why? Because I want to see past the outside appearance of a man or a woman and not judge by the outsideness, but on the inside and what God sees. Because we're so quick to throw up something and say, this is it. And James, like I said before, says, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for them so that you may be healed. So I talked to this brother. I said, hey, can we pray? He said, sure. So to be honest with you, I was scared and I was nervous because I wasn't sure what this brother would say because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have it all together, right? I don't. I fall short of the glory of God every day. So I went on and I shared it with him. He said, Bo, let's pray. Let's pray for healing. And in that process, God started to restore and God started to touch my heart and touch his. Because we've come out of this time of prayer and fasting saying, God, what do you want to do in our church? And the Lord says, I'm coming back for appearance, Paulus Bride. In Galatians 5, 13 through 15, it says this. And this was cool because this was in my my daily scripture verse this week. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humility and love. For the entire law, and the pro, or the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. See, this person, as I was sharing, he didn't bite me. He didn't say negative things about me. But he said one thing, let's pray. And let's seek God's face. And that's what we need to do. Romans 13, 8 says this, Let no doubt or debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others, he shall... Or he, Others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command that, uh, that command there has been, there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I read that and I'm like, let no debt remain outstanding. So we don't, we're not supposed to owe people things, right? Except for one thing, love. Love. Except the continuing debt to love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5 says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight itself in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says this, do everything in love. 1 John 4, 16 says this, and so we know and rely on the, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Ephesians 4, 2 says this, but completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So you ask me, how does this have to do anything with missing the mark? It seems like I've missed the mark in sharing these scripture verses. If I look at it in my eyes. But then in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So see, these 613 laws, 613 laws are thrown out the window if we can't love. If we can't love. That's what God's calling the church today to do is love. I'm not talking about a fluffy grace. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about loving one another because love is gentle. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not self-seeking. It's serving one another. The 613 laws, if we can't get that, if we can't get love, then what does it matter about murder? I get it's wrong, okay? That's, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, we have to understand that love is the most important thing that we do in life. God, give me a supernatural love to love people. I'm not part of a gang, nor I ever will be, in the way that this book talks but I want to be part of a gang of believers that say, regardless of what happens in your life, I'm walking through it with you. Regardless of what circumstances come your way, I want to walk through with you. Because I believe what God has called you to. And there's greatness written all over this church. 
There's greatness written all over each one of you. But we have to have love. And we've missed it. Part of the reason why, as I say it, because we go back to that scripture verse and James, confess your sins one to another. To be honest with you, we don't do it. We don't confess our sins one to another. Why? Because we're scared. What is that person going to think of me? What's going to happen if I, if I say this? And I'm telling you today, God wants to heal the church. God wants to minister to the church like he's never ministered to before. Let me tell you this. There's people in this room that struggle with pornography. And God wants to set you free from it. God wants to break that little off and say you struggle with it no longer. But it's about confessing your sins. There's people in this room that struggle with depression. And you're depressed because the enemy has a grip and a hold on you and won't let it go because the enemy knows that if he can hold you down, you're not going to succeed in what God's called you to. And there's greatness all over you. There's some of you in this room that struggle with fear, anxiety, pride. All of us, all of us, including myself, struggle with things. But if we can't go to one another and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I need help. I think the Bible's clear. Go to one another. Love one another. Comfort one another. But God wants to minister to each one of you. God wants to set you free. He wants to heal you this morning. So there's, as I moved here for almost four years ago, three and a half years ago, there's something that I haven't been able to put my finger on. And I feel over the process of the last several weeks and the last several months, I've been able to put my finger on it to a degree. But I don't know it to its fullness of it. But I'm going to call it what it is. And there's a good old boy spirit is that it's in this place. Not just in this place, but in Kearney overall. And what do you mean by that? I mean, it's this. I'm okay. I can get through this. I can do this. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps, and I'm going to put them on like my daddy taught me to, and I'm going to walk through this by myself. And I'm telling you this. God never intended for you to walk through the things through life by yourself. He's called us as a church to be unified, walking hand in hand. But if you can't recognize the good old boy and say, I just want the fullness of what God has for me, then we're never going to get there. You will never get there because you're blinded by what God is trying to do in your life. And I'm telling you this because I love you very, very much. And I don't say that lightly. Because there are people in this room that are struggling so bad. But yet, we as a church have bitten them. We've wronged them. 
I was watching this video. I don't know if you've ever seen God's Not Dead. So there's God's Not Dead 2. I don't know if that's really what it's called. But there was this girl in it that said, I know what the church, all the things the church stands against, but what does the church stand for? And I want to stand for love. I want to be known as God has supernatural love for each one of you in this place. I want to see this place lavishing the love of God, weeping off the walls and down the streets of Kearney. Because there will be a time, there will be a time that this place will be full. This is going to be a place of healing and restoration for many people. And it has nothing to do with Jonathan and Becky. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what God wants to call this church and what he set it apart how many years ago. God wants to minister to you this morning. He wants to heal that broken heart. He wants to bind up those wounds. But it's not until we say, you know what? I'm sorry, I have failed. And when my mom said that to me, on the phone, I said, Mom, and I shared this a little bit, that's the way God designed me. I would rather have my, my shirt open and have everyone see what I struggle with because then they can't have the fiery darts because those fiery darts cannot hold on me. Because if I can be honest and open and the enemy tries to say, hey, Bo, look at what you've done. It doesn't stick. Because I know who I am in Christ and what God has called me to. And God has called you, and I don't know why these things keep on coming over the last several like different sermons that I've preached. I know I've preached on some of this before about love. But there is something that God wants to break in our church because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is going to flow out of this place. And I don't say that lightly. And I don't say it because I'm a pastor of this church. I spent time praying and seeking God. God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? Lord, I just long for more of you in this place. And when the hearts... of us reflect the glory of God. No one can say God doesn't reside there because God's glory is the one that shines forth through us. It says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Confess your sins one to another, and you will be healed. Not, it'll make it nicer. It'll give you goosebumps. It'll make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It says you will be healed. It's the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary that makes us white as snow. But it was through the love of the Father giving his only son for you and I. It was based out of love from the very beginning. It wasn't about the 613 laws. It was about loving God and loving others and loving yourself. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Above all, Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. 
Anna, if you want to get ready. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And that might mean, honestly, it might mean coming up here and, and coming before the altar workers this morning and saying, you know what, I've sinned and I've done things wrong, but I want today, Sunday, January 27th, to be a day that God set me free and healed me from. Because I'm no longer willing to stay in bondage, but I want the freedom that God wants for me. Because God wants you to live in freedom. Satan wants you to be bound. Satan wants you to look at all your sins. But God wants you to look at the freedom that you have in him and through him that you are washed white as snow through the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you understand my heart this morning is not to make you feel condemned because that's not it at all. I'm telling you this, I want to see the church of God arise. I want to see the enemy shattered. I want to take back ground that the enemy has stolen from each and every one of you. And I'm not satisfied not taking ground back. There's a song back in the whatever days, 90s, I think it is, maybe 2000s. I went into the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And this morning, I'm telling you, God wants to take back what the enemy has stolen from you and he wants to give it back to you because he loves you and he cares for you. He wants to lavish his love on these walls. And I can see, not physically, but through my spiritual eyes right now, I can see love, blood dripping off the walls right now, flowing from the floor to the ceiling. Because God wants to lavish his love upon you this morning and he wants to set you free. He wants to heal you, minister to you. Because he longs to be with you. Just think of it this way. I bet you Becky is missing Jonathan a little bit. Maybe the kids. Just a little bit. Some of you have been gone before, away from your husband, away from your family, and you long to be back with them. Take that and expand it a thousand times. That's what God wants to do in you. He longs to be with you. He desires to be with you. He wants to say to you, I understand my child that you suffer right now from depression, but I want to wrap you in my arms and I want to show you how much I love you. Because God, God takes us through a process. There are people, and I don't know why this happens, but there are people that deal with whatever, and all of a sudden, they're done dealing with it, and they never deal with it again, and it's, it's gone. And there's people that God takes through the process. And God's been taking me through a process of refining fire. And let me tell you, it hasn't been easy at all. But in that process, there's things that I've learned because it's a process. I was talking to a, a, a member of the church here this week, and I was saying, man, I wish that I could have like lost all my weight right away, and I didn't have to work hard at it, and I could have lost what I wanted to lose the first day I ran. That would have been so stinking nice. 
But God wanted to take me through a process. He wanted me to cherish what he was doing in my heart and in my life. And this morning, God wants to take you through a process. He wants to show you. And I may have poked the bear this morning, but I'm okay with that. Because God wants to love on you this morning. God wants to minister to you this morning. God wants to heal you this morning. In 2 Chronicles 7, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them of their sins and heal their land. God wants to heal the land of America. God wants to heal the land of Kearney. God wants to heal the land of your name. The Koppelman household. The Mast household. The Thompson household. The Keeling household. God wants to heal that because he loves you so much. And so I'm going to have the altar workers come forward. thing let's say it again God never never meant for you to walk through stuff alone never he wants you to kick off the boots kick off those good old boy boots and he wants you to walk through the mire walk through the junk, walk through whatever it may be because he wants to touch you this morning. He wants to walk hand in hand with you with one of these altar workers and maybe it's one of the altar workers that need altered worker done. But God wants to minister to you this morning and as we go into this song, please, please don't miss an opportunity that God wants to minister to your heart and in your life because we've missed it. We've all missed it. And I want to see God shine through you.
just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your trying to listen to the Lord um, Zuli um, I just there's something I don't know what life is going on right now but the Lord is just he's highlighted you and he's just telling me that he loves you so much and that there have been things lately that have maybe not always went the way that you thought they should have went. But the Lord loves you and he's doing things the way that he's designed them for because there's something great that God's going to do in your life and use you for.
Someone in here is struggling with hopelessness. Feel like all hope is, is gone. Well, I, I've done all these things. I've actually at times, and this is your thought process, so this is what you're saying to yourself. I've I failed God, and at times I've said, God, where are you? Are you even real? You even, like, cursed at God in anger because you're frustrated because you don't feel like he's there. And the Lord is speaking to your heart even right now, telling you that he loves you, that he's a He's a good, good father, and that he cares for you. And there's nothing, nothing that can separate his love from you. And his arms are wide open, and he's saying, come to me, daughter. Come to me, daughter. Because I want to love on you right now. I want to love on you right now. Some of you have been asking God about dreams that you've been having. You don't feel worthy enough. Who, me? Who, me? How, how, how can I do these things? God always qualifies the call. God always qualifies you. No matter what's going on in life, he doesn't, he doesn't always call the qualified, but he calls the ones that are willing to say, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm willing to serve you wherever. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. And the Lord wants you to know that he's putting tools in your tool belt so that you may do what he's called you to do. You just need to step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. So Lord, all across this room, Lord God, will you continue to minister? But Lord, as people leave today, Lord, let them know that January 27th, 2019, they laid it at the altar. They confessed and you're healing them and you're ministering to them. The enemy has been defeated. Death has no hold that I'm gonna move from glory to glory. Lord, and we thank you. We thank you, God. Lord, be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And Lord, will you just bless them, minister to them this week in your son's name. Feel free to leave, but if you just want to soak in God's presence some more, feel free to do that or come up to the altar team and have them pray, whichever. God bless.
There is nothing like your love. There is nothing. 